This is the Apartment Building Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 83. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today I'm interviewing MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja. And what I love about MC is that he shares part of a mission to power and inspire people so they can discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. And that's something that we really share. And we also feel that the traditional education systems don't teach financial literacy that we need in the new economy. I'm always interested in ideas that like-minded people have about this. And in the podcast, we talk about why is it that people struggle financially and what are the threats to building wealth and security? MC talks about how we can collapse our time frame to financial freedom in 10 years or less. We talk about some of the best investments that he's seen and he has studied the wealthy and he even talks about a very interesting life insurance product that in combination with real estate, especially multifamily, can be extremely powerful. So it's one of these things we talk to people, it makes you think about things that you maybe haven't thought about. And he's such a great teacher in his podcast and his website. So I really hope you enjoy the show. Let's get right into it. MC, welcome to the show today. Michael, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so pleased to be talking to the cash flow ninja, man. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so my name is MC Lobsher. I have a little a little bit of an accent. It's not a Pennsylvanian where I live currently, but originally from South Africa, Michael. So I came here in uh, 2001 with a sense of humor, a sense of adventure, a backpack at about $500 in a country that allows you to come and with so much opportunity. So eventually I played in a, in a sports league here, rugby, could play competitive rugby for a while, started my investing career in the meantime through a couple of different life experiences and people that we meet. I found my feet, learned all about cash flow, learned how the wealthy invest and jump straight into that. I currently have a wealth management firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, where we help people invest outside of Wall Street and alternative investments. And then I'm also the host of the popular business and investing podcast, The Cashflow Ninja, where we talk about everything cash flow from real estate, businesses, gold and silver, commodities like coffee farms and, and agriculture and also covering the very exciting space in the crypto space with Bitcoin and all the blockchain technologies. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's fantastic. I, I want to hear more about the stuff that you're doing. Now, I know you have some real estate background. How did you get involved in real estate at all? Like some of your listeners, I probably read about real estate. I was interested in real estate, but then really truly came about this little purple book with this title, Rich Dad, Poor Dad on it. So I really got immersed into it, try to study and learn as much as I can on the topic of real estate and real estate investing. And I took action, bought my first property when I was out of university. So I was about 21 years old. And that's when school started. Initially went pretty well and thought, well, you know, this is isn't too bad. This isn't hard. But yeah, no, the learning definitely started with dealing from crazy tenants to <laughs> leasing companies and construction and, and all these things. But that was kind of my initial experience. When I came to the United States, I actually befriended through one of my networks, a very, very wealthy real estate investor that invests heavily in the multifamily space in Chicago. They owned a ton of properties 
large multifamily buildings. And I kind of started learning real estate multifamily from the ground up, literally doing some maintenance for them, some odd jobs, some painting, to eventually doing some leasing, turning over apartments, managing construction crews, to doing marketing, marketing apartments, trying to find tenants for them, structuring leases, negotiating with vendors in the buildings, all those things to eventually in the office with bookkeeping, becoming a property manager, which eventually let me me to their acquisitions team since I knew how these buildings operated and worked at my broker's license. And that was quite an insight because these guys bought a lot of buildings, but they also sold a lot of buildings. So I started to learn exactly what they look for, what they hold on to, what they resell, and so forth. So that's something that a college education won't get you, right? An experience like that. So treasured it, learned as much as I can, um, not just on the real estate side too, but truly gave me an insight of the world of the wealthy and what wealthy do with money and investments. That was a good start for me. And I didn't look for that. I wasn't smart enough to. At that time, I just kind of fell into that and got a, quite a number of mentors out of that. Years later, you know, you realize, hey, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Is you have to find successful people and mentors and learn from them. And I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. So you kind of stumble upon it a little bit like we sometimes do, and it turns out okay at the end. What are some of the things that, that you learned or that surprised you or that maybe were aha moments while you were doing this? There's quite a number of them. I've heard this saying quite a bit. You know, It's not just about working hard. It's about working smart. Let's take that to the investment side and investing, right? A lot of people say, well, it's not how much money you make, like Robert K. Saki said, but how much money you keep and how hard that money is working for you. But you also want to have that money work not only hard for you, but smart and also do many different things simultaneously. That was the big aha moment that I had early on, seeing how these guys combined asset classes and position assets to do many different things simultaneously within their wealth plan as part of their overall wealth strategy. And also, as I mentioned, position it to be in a very smart position fighting huge wealth destroyers. So that was kind of the aha moment to saying like, wow, like there's a lot to this, a lot of different angles to it. It isn't just easy of just, oh, okay, you know, let's invest and we got some cash flow. This is great. It's all about an overall big plan and where different asset classes and things fit into your plan, which was probably one of the biggest aha moments I've had. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many different ways you can make money that you don't even know about or think about. You talk a lot about different investments on your on your show you know what are some of the best investments that you've seen out there yeah there's quite a number of them which is i mean a lot of them a lot of different qualities which we look for some of the biggest wealth destroyers that that are out there the first one is taxes bar none taxes is just <laughs> you will never be able to truly build the wealth that you want in legacy wealth if you don't incorporate that in your wealth plan the other one is inflation also a huge one commissions and fees to advisors and that's also a return on investment right i've used a lot of professionals in my life i look at the return on investment if it makes sense or it doesn't make sense to give you an example of where it doesn't make sense is if you give your money to Wall Street, assets under management, and they eat one to 2% every single year of your money, regardless of what they do for you. And as studies have shown, like John Bogle can eat up to 
two-thirds of your gains over 30 years. So that's what I mean where you have to look at the return on investment. Using a professional, for instance, like lawyers, they complain about that a lot, right? Oh, I got to pay this lawyer. Well, what if you didn't have a good lawyer? And what if you didn't have them? What is the, the return on investment if things really start going down south for you? Back to your question, for some of the best investments that I look at, combats the wealth destroyers. Real estate is a fantastic combat of taxes because it's positioned very, very favorably for that. It keeps up with inflation. As you shared on your show, you know, you can raise the rates of the rentals as the cost of living increases, right? And it holds up with inflation. Very, very good hedge. And also, real estate gives you a lot of control, which is also a thing that I look at in investments where you can control the costs of this investment for you. And that's where property management comes in really well. Other investments that I've seen out there that are positioned similarly actually are some insurance investments that are not a lot of people know about. But when Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen and all these top CEOs from GE, like Jeffrey Emmel just walked away, if you look at what's going on with them, you'll find a lot of insurance products that a lot of the public doesn't know about that these folks actually are invested in and use as part of their investment. Because it's Again, you know, combating taxes, <laughs> these guys know how to increase taxes for everyone else, but they know how to combat it in themselves. And it's very well positioned for inflation and so forth. So those are some of the two that I know. Looking at what the wealthiest families have done in the United States and looking at the tax code that are out there, it's no surprise that they dovetail these two asset classes really, really nice. I have to say that there's other investments that kind of play into that as well. Oil being one of them, investing directly into them. Other investments in the same category as ATM opportunities because of, again, the depreciation, which is another quality that real estate offers. And then online businesses, if we're talking about cash flow and truly passive income is creating digital products and having this basically make money for you in your sleep, which a lot of people talk about, right? Basically what it is, it's just something working for you when you're no longer working yourself and consulting with folks. A lot of people aren't even at the stage yet where they can consider these things. Why do people struggle financially, you think? One of the biggest things is our outdated financial education model or outdated education model. I'll touch on the financial education in a bit. But I mean, it's truly, if you think about it, if we just take a step back, because we're very much in life itself, we still have bells ringing, telling people when to sit, when to go into classes, when to eat at a break. And this ties into kind of the Prussian school system, which was designed to get obedient workers and soldiers. So it's so outdated. It's not, it's almost, it's 19th century. It's not even 20th century and we're in the 21st century. So it truly doesn't empower people and actually teach you the skills that you need to thrive and survive. Yes, there are some professions that it still provides certain building platforms for and building blocks, but we're no longer in a job economy. We are in a skills economy. People just haven't realized it yet. So it doesn't prepare you for that. The second part is there's no financial oh. education in these schools, and that's with good reason. Most people graduate university basically with master's degrees, and they can't balance a checkbook. The only financial education that they have was what uh, some of the credit card companies showed them when they signed up for credit cards, right? To take a step back, yeah, I understand there's MBA programs and so forth. You're 
truly learning how to run someone else's business and a little bit of business finance, but the financial education component of it, especially the personal, doesn't really tie into that. The other thing is the reason people struggle financially, here's my money. Please take it, invest it for me. I'll see you in 30 to 35 years and hopefully you were a good guy. Yeah, (laughs) You know, we outsource it to other folks. And if I wanted to get a tooth pulled or get a filling in my tooth, that's not something that I'm going to do myself. That's a skill set that I'm going to outsource and have someone else work on that. But financial management and your own wealth management, you're in control of your own life. So it totally really takes away all the power that you have. And then also the traditional model is set up to fail period, full stop. Right now, in traditional meaning, the conventional model, it's not set up to produce the results. And I'll tell you, uh, your listeners, what I mean by that. We save, we save, we save, we accumulate, we accumulate, we accumulate. And then in 30 to 35 years, we hope there's enough money to turn into cash flow to live out the rest of our lives. Well, why didn't we just focus on cash flow from the start, right? So we have no idea at that stage. We're just hoping and praying that the money is going to be there. There's no feedback loop mechanism. We have to wait 30 to 35 years. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs in the market, you know, and you're playing in someone else's sandbox. I like to play in my own one where I can control the toys in the sandbox, Wall Street, especially with high frequency trade trading, and all the other tricks that we don't even know about. Michael Lewis will probably write a book about this in five years down the line. It's just truly taking the control away. And then the environment, the reason most people struggle financially right now too is the environment that we're in. Look at, we live in the United States. What is it now? Over $20 trillion in debt. Social security is underfunded. All these unfunded liabilities is over, I guess, roundabout last time I counted, $101 trillion. Municipalities are bankrupt. Towns are bankrupt. States are bankrupt. These have huge implications. I just saw an article, Illinois is the poster boy right now that everybody's taking a swing at as far as bankruptcy and pension problems. I just saw that they just raised the taxes on people again in Chicago. Rahm Emanuel just announced in their budget. So I look at all of these things environmentally, and people don't understand the landmines that are around them and don't position their assets accordingly, just to tie into that taxes, for instance, right? This is not going away. So what are you going to do about it? Most people don't know, and that's why they struggle financially. Yeah, I think education is a key thing. And I think it is frustration for everybody if we just, you know, like you said, save 20, 30, 40 years and hope there's enough at the end. Now, I sense that you might have a better way. In fact, one of your mission is to help people achieve financial freedom in a lesser time span than that. What is your advice to people who want to break the mold? Yeah. So what we look at is the first thing, and this is kind of the overall bird's eye view of the wealth strategies that we share and talk about. The first thing is you have to understand what it is that you want. What is it that you want? And most people, you can look at a number. What's your financial independence or your economic independence number? Meaning that the cash flow or the money's coming into your life that will cover your living expenses. And I mean, we usually look at what that is and then also what you would like to save and invest because on the back end, we're keeping the end in mind. It really does become fun after a while where you're looking and learning and trying to put money in other investments. So the first thing is be crystal clear on what it is that you want. That's what wealthy people do. Mm. <laughs> they are crystal clear on what they want. And then the second part of that is, you know, and Simon Sinek talks a lot about this, but why does it matter? 
You know, why does it matter that that is what you want? And this could be providing for your family, your children, taking care of loved ones, taking care of folks in your family that are possibly sick. There's many different reasons. We all have come from different walks of life with different stories and and unique backgrounds. So be crystal clear on why you want it, because if there's no strong why, it's not going to matter in the end. The third one to tie in that is, who do you need to become? And that's a big one that people pass up. They know what they want. They know that they're wise, strong enough, but they don't realize that you need to become someone differently and make changes in your life to be able to do that. Otherwise, you would have had that already, right? Who do you need to become to do that? And this needs to be done every year, basically, those three parts of it for yourself because our goals move, right? The target move. We have to grow along with that target. Then after we've determined all of that, now we can create systems and processes because there is truly a science behind uh, creating financial freedom for yourself. It's a numbers game, right? So we can create processes and systems, and there is an art to it too. That is you. You are your number one and biggest asset ever. So whether it's in multifamily apartment investing or different other assets, a mentor of mine that calls it, what is your stupid human trick, right? What's your unique ability? We all have one that we just do and other people look at it and they go, how did you just do that? And you just know how to do that. Or there's a particular thing that you can do. That ties into it as well. Create the processes and systems and the infrastructure then to position you to go after that goal. And when we look at then these processes and systems, what do they set up for us? Well, they capture our wealth. That's what the wealthy people do, the first one. I talked about real estate and insurance, two great asset classes to capture wealth in and then leverage it. Two great asset classes where it provides cash flow, right? Which is the next step, capture the wealth into it, put it into something that provides cash flow for you, redirect that back into your own personal economy, back to the wealth capture, and rinse and repeat, find that other, the next investment. And that's part of your system. So I would say, you know, the vehicles that we use for wealth capture is we use a strategy called the infinite banking concept, where we capture this wealth in a specialized permanent life insurance product structured a very, very specific way. And just to touch on insurance, most people might be rolling their eyes when they hear this. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talk about, you know, we all have the ability to invest in the same asset classes. It's how we invest in them. We can invest in real estate like a poor and a middle class person. And trust me, that first property that I mentioned, I did. And I, I saw what happened to me. The next person that took over that property invested it in it like a wealthy person. It's a cash cow for them. So insurance is the same thing, the different types of insurance that's out there. And there's a lot of minefields around that as well. So it needs to be structured a very specific way. It needs to be with a specific institution. Institutional risk is probably the biggest risk that is out there right now in the marketplace. It's not what's your money in, but who's your money with, as a lot of people found out in 2008. So We structure that with mutual insurance companies in there, a very specific way that allows you to capture the money. It grows tax-free in there. It's guaranteed. There's predictability. We can plan as part of our system. We need to have certain markers for our cash flow if if we're going to have a wealth plan. Otherwise, we're just shooting bullets into the dark. The last part of that is you have the ability to leverage it, utilize that insurance product like a credit line, basically, through a policy loan where you borrow from your 
own wealth capture fund to leverage to invest into another asset. This is basically what banks do. Mr. Nelson Ash that wrote the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, spoke about that there's one pool of money. Everything rolls back into the commercial banking sector. doesn't matter where it starts. This is one way to capture your wealth and create your own little pool of money and implement the same strategies that the banks do and combine and dovetail it with other cash flow and productive assets such as real estate. Well, talk about a little about that's kind of interesting. So you set up this insurance product and you structure it in a certain way and then now you can leverage that in some way to put it in such as real estate. How does that work in a little more detail? Yeah. So from a banking side, you will structure the policy. It's set up for cash value. It's also named high cash value life insurance. So a lot of people, actually a lot of clients call me when Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan just structured his football contract that way. There's a lot of reasons why he structured that specific way. So you fund the policy on the one side, it's guaranteed the principal, it earns interest, and it also has the ability to participate in dividends. These companies have been around for 200 years. They're not listed on the stock exchanges. They're completely outside of the system. They've paid dividends for over 120 years consecutively, most of them longer than that. So you have that side of it, which is safe, secure, growing, and liquid. And then on the other side of that, you have the ability to borrow the money. So say, for instance, I funded my policy. There's about $100,000 in there. I get to access about 90% of that. So I can borrow 90000 of that money from my policy at 5% from the insurance company and then leverage that and put it into investment that pays me 8 9 10 12%. Unlike 401ks and Roth IRAs and all of these, the balance in your account is not drawn down because it's two separate transactions. So I still have $100,000, still earning predictable income for me and growing inside my policy tax-free as well. And it provides a death benefit because it is an insurance product. But on the other side, I can leverage that and invest that into real estate that provides a nice return. So just like I use the banking example, banks basically take the money from their depositors. They don't really pay you anything, but let's just say they did pay you an interest. They go ahead and turn that around and borrow it right away on the lending arm of their banks, creating that arbitrage and that return, doing many different things with the same dollar. You're doing the exact same thing. You've just set up an infrastructure and created a system and a process for you to be able to do that. So that's one way just of having the same dollar doing many different things for you just on the insurance side. I've talked about the growth tax-free. So you're positioned that way against taxes. This is after-tax money. It's not like 401k money or IRA money. We pay taxes on the seed, not the harvest. We paid Uncle Sam everything that we owe him. We're not going to leave him a tip on that check. So you've already done that. And then there's a life insurance portion to that. And then the ability to leverage it and then put it into real estate. And you know all the different things that real estate just provides for you. So it provides many different things. And I still just use the same dollar in that transaction. This is what the wealthy do with their money. This isn't something that I just came up with. I saw what these folks are doing, how they operate inside of family offices based on the Rockefeller family office model and how they structure these plans, their wealth plans. So that's kind of what they do. And we just try to copy what they do and learn from the best, right? Tony Robbins says there's a blueprint for success. It's out there. 
Yeah, that's right. I love that. You're just watching what the wealthy do and you're like, huh, we can do that as well. I like it because you're kind of double dipping, right? You're taking the, the money, you're putting it in its own investment vehicle. And while it's doing that, you're pulling it out and putting something else in. So that's clever. I think that might be very interesting for a lot of people. So when I'm sitting here and I want to create a financial plan for myself, you mentioned earlier, there's a, there's a variety of different cash flow investments you can do. If I'm sitting here and my goal, and, and you said be very clear about your goals, what you want, what is your, you know, what I call the rat race number, be very clear about that. And then you can put the vehicle and the process in place. How do I figure out which vehicle or process is best for me? Because, you know, frankly, not everyone is going to be a real estate investor. Maybe I have some net worth, right? And I can actually invest passively, right. or maybe I can write an ebook or something, right? I don't know. So what is a process someone should go through trying to figure out what the best vehicle is? And I'm kind of like the human guinea pig in that, in that as well. And I've tried so many different things and either they failed or they did not actually bring me towards financial freedom. So I think I struggled with that a little bit until I hit on multifamily. So what is the process someone can go through to kind of figure out what that is? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll say this with that question. It's very important, especially in the beginning, that you focus and not scatter and be all over the place and invest in Bitcoin and now real estate. And you have your goal and your target, and let's just say it's $10,000. Let's figure out what can get us to that $10,000 the fastest to hit that goal? Because that's truly when you, as we just discussed, if you combine and dovetail certain things and make the same dollar do many different times, that's how you collapse time in your financial plan. The second part of that is by focusing. We want to truly focus. We don't want to diversify over 50 mutual funds and hope that there's a winner in there. We want to focus on one thing. So whether it be real estate, right? Whether it be real estate syndication deals, if you can garner a return, and even if you have some money put aside and you run the numbers, that's what's going to get you there. I just had a consult with one of my clients where she is just on fire. She is right on target to get there. And we were kind of having a discussion where this is where you need to focus. All you need to do is to keep doing what you're doing. And you're going to get there, I mean, almost a year before her goal was to get to a certain number. And it was also through syndication deals. So there could be syndications. There could be private lending is also a good one. There's certain turnkey investments that might make sense. But I would say if you're in a certain asset clause, you understand the operator that's in there or the company that's involved with there. They have a great track record. And there's, for instance, a 12% kind of return, you can figure out and take a step backwards and figure out how much do I need to make that $10,000 per month on basically 12%, right? So that's something that I would say is be very, very specific and focus until you get that number. And then you can look at other things. Up until you get that, don't spread it around. Do the math. Very, very, very simple math in that sense. Figure out who the operator is that the investment's with. Then you build your own and create your own processes and systems. That's awesome. I, I think you've seen a lot. You've observed a lot. I can tell that. And you've also gone through. If you had to pick, MC, what do you regard as, as your lowest depth of misery? If you ever experienced anything like that or some failure or something like that? Yeah, there's quite a bit. So <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> Speaking from a sports background, that's one thing that kind of prepared me for the business world and the entrepreneurial world. Because with sports, the one minute you're basically on top of the world at the peak of your game, really, really getting 
closer towards your goals. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a concussion or a shoulder injury or a knee injury. And it was basically, you know, the last 12 months. And in my case, the last four years on one thing that I worked towards a goal and, and got hurt. So it was an enormous disappointment. And to be able to absorb that really turned me into the person that I that I am today. So when I got into the entrepreneurial space, yeah, the investment world, when things really started to go south towards me, I always referred back to that. But I would say at one stage, I had a combo of all of these. So I had a sports injury, I failed partnership business that wasn't really going to go anywhere with that. And then to throw another one in there, there was also other relationships. From a business perspective, I wasn't as specific and focused enough. And I think all three partners had the same problem. And from an investment perspective, I was too trusting of other individuals. I learned a lot about due diligence in that process, which that was a process where if I look back at that failed investment, that I didn't do that properly. That's something that I would do better and created my own checklist, right? It's kind of a working doc from that. So no, there are plenty. <laughs> it only takes about 20 to 25 years to become an overnight yeah, success, right. right? So yeah, it's a different road, I would say. And again, everybody can choose different roads. As you mentioned, there's passive investors. The people that I've worked with are medical professionals, they're lawyers, they love what they do. It's their passion. It's their unique human ability and their skill set. And they love doing that. Those are folks that we help design, process, and create systems with. It, with them being the co-author of that plan, not completely just giving us their money and doing it for them, right? It's more of just a system where that helps sets them up and helping them still be in control and in charge of that. Yeah, I found failure has been uh, the biggest teacher and really while painful going through it has made me the person that I am right now. And I can sense the same thing from you. We also have various aha moments in various parts of our life, you know, business relationships, maybe spiritually or so. Yeah, can you share maybe one major aha moment that you had and kind of what difference that made in your life? Yeah, you will never outgrow your personal development or your network. What I mean by that too is, you know, a lot of people, they invest a ton in their development and their education, and then they get to a certain level and they don't understand why they stay there or they've plateaued, right? And they're driven. They want to get to that next level. And that's just because that they reached the top of the mountain and that's kind of where they stopped. Mm. They stopped investing in themselves. They stopped their education. And the other thing that ties into that, they stopped their network of speaking with other people. And I think a lot of people fall into this trap where they have their network, they have their teams and team members and people that they, they know, like, and trust. And that's great. And that's fantastic. And I mean, I have people that I know, like, and trust and, and do business with as well. But I'm always looking for other people out there because I find it just so refreshing and rewarding of networking with people that always challenges me and challenges my ability and where I'm going to see the amazing things that they do. So that's why I appreciate this interview as well, Michael. It's been great to connect. But it's one thing that I've seen is you constantly have to keep investing in yourself as a lifelong learner, and you have to go out there, network, meet new people, look at the cool things that they're doing and learn from them in that way. Sounds to me like you still have partners, so maybe you didn't learn your lesson from the last time go around, MC. What's going on with that? 
I absolutely have. So as far as from investments, I'm one of those people that I know that I don't know everything. I always bring in someone that knows more than me of that investment. So I have my lane that I know I can handle and do very, very well. And in my business, we do that in my podcast. But when it comes to investments, another thing, that's where I bring in different partners and different companies because they do that every single day. They live and breathe it. I'll outsource that to them or partner with them. The same with taxes. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I I know how much I don't know about that. So I'll bring in someone to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So imagine if you could travel back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what time frame would you pick and what would you tell yourself? Oh, wow. I would actually, around 15 or 16, I think. I would go back around that time. The first thing that I'll say, just to kind of reiterate some of the other points that I've made, is the first thing is I'll say to myself is you are your number one greatest asset, nothing else. People ask me all the time, MC, what should I invest in? What's the greatest investment? What's the best thing you've ever seen? The best investment is you, number one. You are your product out there, right? So you have to invest in yourself in all areas of your life. And I know it's not easy. Sometimes we all kind of have our moments, especially with health and so forth, but health relationships and just our education and our growth. And that ties into the second thing that I tell myself is uh, your second greatest asset is your relationships, mm. whether it's family, friends, business relationships, because no man is an island. And if you're going to do business anywhere, regardless of what time frame, you're going to need to meet people, learn good people skills. And then I think the third thing that I'll say to myself is, regardless of what's going to happen in the future, because not to date myself, but that's kind of pre-internet days <laughs> just before that. But I would say there's certain skills that are not going to go away. Regardless of the internet, we're kind of transitioning into a lot of stuff right now. Online, the technologies are increasing every single year. Blockchain technology is rolling out slowly but surely. There's all these different things, but the three skill sets is you always want to learn to where to find customers, and that ties into marketing. You need to know where to find the people that want your services or want outcomes or have problems to solve. The second thing is you need to create a solution for these people and be able to communicate it clearly. And that's sales, marketing and sales. And then on the third side is once you've found the people whose problem you're going to solve, you've created an elegant solution for them and an outcome, you need to take care of them and need to keep taking care of them and need to make them feel that they matter because they do, because you won't have a business if it wasn't for them. And that's kind of the customer service, the personal relationship side of it. I just thought of another one too that I'll add in. One thing that I've learned, and this is over the last two years, we're so focused on products and services as entrepreneurs and business people, but the biggest thing that a business should do is solve problems and create outcomes for people. If what you're doing does not solve problems or create outcomes for people, you don't really have a business. You basically have a widget that you're selling, right? That widget needs to solve problems and create outcomes for people. And then also your business from a scaling perspective is you can build it these days, which is so exciting that you can help an unlimited amount of people. I mean, that's my goal. And I know that that's one of your goals as well, Michael, with your podcast. And it's very, very exciting. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. We share a similar mission there in, in that case. So describe your perfect day for us. You're maybe already living your perfect day or maybe it's something in the future that you're aspiring to, but what's your perfect day like? 
recently actually made some changes. So there's a couple of things that, that I've learned from other folks as well. So the first thing that I did was, and maybe some of your listeners can relate, is sometimes time just controls you because there's just so many things happening. And if you're involved with so many different projects, by the end of the day, you kind of lose control over the day and yourself. So I put a time block in till 11 a.m. in the morning now. I've started instituting that. So I do not take any calls or emails or anything before then. If there's an emergency, you know, that's something that I'll react to. But I block that off. Then I work out in the morning. So I'll get up at about 7 a.m., go and work out. Coming back from the workout, start kind of my morning routine, have lunch, spend some time with my wife and my son, and then also have an hour and a half to two hours blocked off of personal development, which could be reading, which could be a course that I'm taking, which could be consuming videos. And then from 11 a.m., that's when I jump in and really start to attack the day, my calls that are set up and scheduled, interviews, follow-ups, case designs, all of that stuff, once that's taken care of, around about six or seven o'clock, the same thing, then spending time with my family and then doing a little bit of reading and then going to bed. But I think that's the one thing that I've learned because once you get busy, you completely lose sight of the time that you no longer have. And I think, again, our most valuable asset is ourselves. but time is in there. It's basically directly around us and our time and how we we spend our lives. So you want to be able to invest in your greatest asset and control your time. A lot of people make a lot of money, then they try to get their time back, right? I've trying to take a balanced approach moving forward. And this is recent changes that I've made. So again, I keep making mistakes and keep learning. So one of the things that I've learned uh, about in the last month is just taking control back of my time. You know, we're all a work in progress, MC. So, yeah. you know, we're, ne we're never, never there. We're trying to become a better version of ourselves. What are you really excited about right now? There's a ton of stuff that I'm pretty excited about. I'm excited about, obviously, a lot of the guests that I, I have on my podcast and actually working on a project right now, which should be out in in January, which is kind of an online cash flow well summit. So this has just recently started. I'm very excited about that. I'll bring a ton of people on one platform to share with as many people as I can out there. And then the other thing that I'm very, very excited about is there's sort of a mastermind group. Well, I call it a sort of mastermind. It's a mastermind plus also a business. It's kind of turned into a business for us. It's called Cashflow Tactics. And basically what we have done is we've shown people how to collapse time in their financial plan and become financially free within 10 years or less. So we put on uh, weekly webinars for that, that folks can join if they're interested in just some of the strategies that I've discussed. And I've done that actually with a couple of partners that we've kind of put together. The idea was to start the mastermind. It's kind of evolved and grown into a business business very, very quickly, <laughs> which was very, very exciting. I mean, it happened basically two weeks after the mastermind was created. I was like, whoa, we, we have a business. Now we have to get serious about it. So it's been very, very pleasing. Yeah, that's cool. MC, how can people connect with you? Yeah, there's a number of ways. So I mentioned Cashflow Tactics. People can sign up for a webinar, free webinar at cashflowtactics.com forward slash ninja. And then also on my own firm of exactly all the things that we offer to folks. If this is something that you're interested in, I do a free webinar. If you're interested at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank, I share all the banking principles, how to implement it in your own life, how to have your money work in many different places at the same time. 
time. So that's cashflowninja.com, be the bank. And then they can also on there see all the other podcasts with uh, amazing guests such as yourself, Michael. So that's cashflowninja.com. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story and all the resources you're sharing. I mean, your podcasts are awesome. So if you're not listening to MCs yet, definitely do that because it'll definitely open your mind to other possibilities. So MC, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. This has been awesome. I really like what he said about collapsing your financial plan to achieve financial freedom 10 years or less. He said, ask first, what do you want, right? Get very clear about what is it you want, which in this case, in most cases, people want to control their time. He even talked about that himself. Control your time is what we really want. And in order to do that, we need to cover our living expenses so our mind is not consumed with having to work 50 plus hours per day because there's no room for anything else. So what is that rat race number? Be crystal clear about what you need financially and then be very clear about what he says, why does it matter? In other words, you need to have a strong why. And that why, it should render your current situation as unacceptable. If your current life is pretty good, well, there's no reason to change it, right? And so don't lie to yourself that you want to change your life when your current life is actually pretty good. You need to create a gap between where you're right now that is so unacceptable and where you want to go. If you can do that, then you're on the right path. Uh, and then he says, you know, who do you need to become, right? Who do you need to become? A better entrepreneur, a better husband, a better father, right? And now he says you can create a system or process and find a vehicle. And, and uh, MC has seen a lot of different vehicles. He's talked about some of them that go far beyond even real estate. Now, and of course, if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking real estate and you're probably even considering multifamily. And that, in my opinion, is the best vehicle for achieving financial freedom, not in 10 years, but literally two to three years from the time that you decide you want to pursue multifamily. It's through the law of the first deal that says if you buy a multifamily of any deal, you will be financial free in three to five years is my official law. But in truth, it's I see it more to two, three, two to three uh, years. And and again, he, MC ends by you know saying, focusing on one thing, don't go all over the place. In this case, of course, it's guess what? Apartment buildings. That's why you're here. So again, I hope it was interesting to you to hear MC's perspective. And again, on the importance of doing this, guys. And this, this is the thing, the old laws, the ones of our parents about financial, you know, working out a job for 30 years, saving enough money to retire, those are gone. They no longer apply. You have to do something. And furthermore, we want more, frankly, than I think our parents' generation. We want more from life. We want to give more to life. And it requires new rules. So pay attention to that. Don't ignore it. Take action. If you haven't done this already, and you're, you haven't been down the journey for multifamily, then make sure you get my free ebook. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. You get it at themichaelblanc.com. That's www.themichaelblanc, T-H-E, Michael, B-L-A-N-K.com forward slash ebook. And uh, if you have enjoyed the show, please give me a review in iTunes. Love reading and seeing those. And uh, no matter what you do, you take care of yourself. I appreciate the time that you have spent on this podcast. And I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.